0: This morning, we're continuing with the series that we have been, that well, we have started now. This is the third message on why pray. And we said, of course, that some people say, well, indeed, why pray? We have to pray so we can change God's mind, so we can get God to do things for us, and so we can just uh, take care of all the things that we feel need to be done. Still, others on the other end of the spectrum say, we don't need to pray at all. God is sovereign, that He knows our hearts, that He will accomplish what He will, and so on. We said that both of those are wrong. Why pray? Because it's God's method. He said there are some necessary conditions before we examine in a message or two the practicalities of how to pray and what we ought to pray for and so on. He said that there were four aspects or four things that needed to be through in our lives. And they were expressed in some uh, admonitions of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, come unto me, that which is salvation, deliverance. Learn of me, which we spoke of last week. The fact, we need to learn of God and we learn about him through the word, through prayer, through experience, through fellowship one with another, and so on. He said, follow me, which is the practical application of following him in this life, living the Christian life, and then abide in me, the one that is probably the most neglected, that we will speak about and Lord we'll be willing next Sunday. All of those put together, using the Holy Spirit and the Bible, equal, effective, prayer. And that, of course, is what we are interested in this morning. We've said to you before, can we pray to God any time? Absolutely. We pray to him when you drive in the car. You can pray to him any place, any time. But there are times when prayer can be more effectual if we know that which we are praying about or for, if we ask the Spirit's guidance as we pray, and, of course, if we want the Lord's will to be done. Now, again, those four things ought to be there for the most effective Prayer. It's mandatory, of course, when Jesus says, Come unto me, for us to be saved people, or we can't pray effectively. God doesn't hear our prayers as He does His children, He doesn't answer them in the same way that He does for us. We're saved throughout the world. And then, of course, we need to learn of Him, and He told you how to do that. And now, this morning, we want to think for a few minutes about following Him. It's simply the practical application of living a Christian life. Now, it's a relatively simple thing we're going to talk about. It's not something that is complicated, although people make it complicated. They say, now, if you're going to live the Christian life, you've got to dress a certain way, you've got to look a certain way, uh, you mustn't have your haircut, you don't want to wear jewelry, uh, you, you don't want this, that, or the other thing. All those things don't make a person live a Christian life. Now, God may move you as time goes along, as you draw close to him, to do some of those things, but it's not necessary to do those things to live a Christian life. We're human beings. In our particular scenario of time, we dress the way we dress, and things are different as far as men are concerned. Basically, they're not. Man is still sinful. The spirit of lawlessness is still here. Man wants to do the things that he wants to do and the way he wants to do them and so on. But just the scenarios change. It's a different uh, era. You say, well, we're a lot more advanced than Abraham's time and Moses' time and... In the last centuries of mankind, that's true. But we're basically still the same kinds of people we have always been. Those who run away from God, those who don't want anything do of God, and then those who are saved and those who love him and want to follow him. And the Christian life is, as we said, a fairly simple thing. We'll get into that in just a moment. There are three things that I want you to consider this morning in living the Christian life when Jesus says, Follow me. We want to read to you First Peter 2 and verse 21 is our text this morning. And it says this. For even hereunto will ye call, because Christ also suffered for us, leave me as an example that you should follow his steps. And of course he goes on to tell us, He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And I believe it was in last week's message, or the first, I don't remember which, that whoever says he follows Christ ought himself also to walk as Christ walked. The same mind ought to be in us. Well, how do we put that into practical terms? To live the Christian life doesn't mean that we look a certain way and we walk around and we're very pious as we go along. It means practicing those things That we're learning from the scripture and from our communion and fellowship with Jesus Christ or with God through him. And we put those things into application or practice in our lives. In other words, we no longer steal. We no longer cheat people. We no longer lie. We treat everyone as we should. Do we do that perfectly? No, because we're in the flesh. We're going to make some mistakes. Does God have a provision for that? Yes. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to us our sins and the us from all unrighteousness. Now, there are three things, three areas that we want to begin with in this introduction to living the Christian life. The first one is found in John 10 and verse 27. It's assurance. What do I mean assurance? Well, let me read it to you. My sheep, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So in the overall picture of Christianity, Christ is telling us that he knows his sheep, they know him, and they follow him. So in this world, there are people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are people who do not. There are some that are wolves and sheep's clothing, I know, and so on. I don't have time to deal with that today. But there's the assurance. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He also says, no man can come unto the Father but by me. That's the way that we become Christians through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He's the channel of blessing. He's the one who gives us his righteousness. He's the perfect sacrifice. He fills us uh, with his love and so on in this life. And we know also that all the Father hath given me shall come unto me, and he that cometh unto me, I will no know why cast out. So there's the assurance. Jesus says, my sheep know me, and they're going to follow me. So as the Gospels preach, whether I do it as a minister, whether you do it through your life or witness or testimony or whatever the case might be, there are people who are going to hear that message and believe and be saved. And there are people who are not going to. And so consequently, there is the assurance that God is going to, he is calling a people out today and on through to the end of time. Then he gives us a promise in John 8 and verse 12. What's that? He says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's making an analogy. When you and I are saved, as we've told you before, we come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's a positional thing. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you will walk in darkness. Well, who's walking in darkness? People all around us today without Christ. People all around us today with no knowledge of God or what he expects or what's coming of the scripture, period. But you and I who trust the Lord Jesus Christ will walk in the light. He will feed us. He will give us that which we have need of spiritually, as well as physically, but spiritually, through the pastors, through the teachers in his place, as you read the scripture, through the power of the spirit, as you ask God, as you commune with him, through the Lord Jesus Christ, as you fellowship with him, you'll be in the light. The world's in the darkness. The world says, well, this way seems right to me. I'm going to be that. Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, and consequently, mankind goes the wrong way. But the Lord Jesus Christ offers light, and those of us who trust him will walk in the light. Does that mean you understand the scriptures perfectly? No. Does that mean that you'll have all spiritual knowledge and you'll just be a, a great person spiritually? Not necessarily. But you will have the light. That's God gives it to you as you grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes by the and bounds, sometimes by a small amount, whatever he has in your individual case for you, let you be in the light and not the darkness. Then the third thing, he gives us an admonition then in John 12 and 26. And he says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The other words, he says, you're going to serve me, then what do we have to do? We have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Lots of people today make a decision, they say, I'm a Christian, and that's it. They go about their life and do all the things that they desire to do, and they never serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to follow him? Serve him, we'll look at that in just a few moments. It's a simple thing, but people make it complicated. We want to tell you how to follow him. We are going to point out to you what we are to do and so on. Now, the power source for all of this, two things. How do we do it? We need a power source and the fact that we just simply follow him. What's the power source the Lord Jesus Christ? I told you over and over again, Christianity is a balanced thing, as all of God and his revelation is. And he tells us, well, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what are we to do? We're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Our eyes have to be on Christ. We don't say, we don't look and say, oh, well, right, these people are doing this, I, I should do that. These aren't doing this, but I, I do better than that. We don't compare ourselves with one another. The only comparison that we can make as far as our Christian life and our standing with God is that he scripture, what he tells us. So don't fall into that. There's the power source. We keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean he's the author and the finisher of our faith? Well, we know you should know the scriptures, anyway, we've preached them enough times. It tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should it. So I can't stand and say, well, I'm glad that I exercise my faith, and, and I'm like a Pharisee. I'm a lot better off than all these other people. You know, we're sinners saved by grace. So that's the first thing. He's the author. What do we mean, the finisher? Paul says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm persuaded that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. For the day of Jesus Christ. He will continue doing that work within us. What is it? What does he do individually? I don't know. What He for all of you individuals? Some of you have various gifts you may not know that you have yet. Not just singing. Some of you have the gift of effective prayer. Of just encouragement. Calling up somebody and talking with them. Living the kind of life that you ought to live. And you'd be surprised what people think when they see that. You may not even think they're watching, but they do. They see all the bad things. They see all the good things as well. So there's the power source. Well, then how do you do it? Someone says, how do I live the Christian life? Is there a book? There's a ton of books. Forget all that. How do you do it? You simply start following the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, you show up in the assembly where he wants you to be. You hear the word priest and so on. That's for your admonishment and your help. But you live it by taking one step at a time, that first step and then you continue making these steps. Let me give you this example. Might not be a very good one, but it's one that I was reading and thought about. Little boy and his father, he was teaching him to mountain climb, and they were gonna climb up out the mountain, but it was quite a ways, and the little boy said, I can't do that. Look at the size of that mountain. Can't do it. His father said, you follow me. Take one step here. Here's how you do this. All right, now we're gonna take another step here. Another step here. Time went along and pretty soon an old fellow and his father were looking down. He accomplished all that that he thought he couldn't do. same with the Christian life. I don't think I can do it. I can't live really up to those standards. I can't do this or that. Yeah, you, can. you can follow Christ one step at a time. And he will guide those steps. Scripture says that God directs the steps of a good man. Well, there are any good men. Well, there aren't they the saved because they have the goodness of Christ in them. And you ladies, too. I'm not letting you out. And so as you go through the life... It's one step at a time. You say, but look how these Christians seem so fine an example and accomplish this. Forget that. That isn't what God has for you. It's something else. You don't know what it is. You simply trust him and you take one step at a time. So what's all I got to do with prayer? Because when these four things are true, you will have and be able to have effective and quality prayer, and you'll see that in not tricky messages yet. You want to get these four things out of the way. But so the power source is Christ. You look to him. How do you do it? You take a step at a time. I remember the first time that I uh, started to do some mechanical work. I worked for uh, Standard Oil and while I was going to college, and, and Joan worked. And I had to do things I really didn't know how. I had some people begin to show me, and the first time I tore into something, I thought, boy, I, just, I can't do this. I can not take all lot of parts. But you can. One step at a time. You can do whatever you need to do one step at a time. All right, the Lord Jesus Christ then says it's simple. Follow me, one step at a time. Now, to follow him or walk with him this morning, there are five areas or five things that I want to point out to you as far as our walk or our following God are concerned. In order to walk with God or follow the Lord Jesus Christ, as much we could say, much more than we have one message for, but we're going to pack in those things that we want to look at today. We are told in Philippians 1.27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, the word conversation there means your behavior, your conduct. King James has changed slightly. Some of the words our book at home, and uh, we'll make that available to all of you who would like one. We use the King James. It has the words, the phrases, and so on that are archaic, or have changed in use, or whatever. And we find when we study that, that only let your conversation or your conduct be as it becometh Christ. In other words, the things that we do, we say, we work, how we behave, the business we do, and so on, ought to be as it becometh the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I preached to you today, and I showed up tomorrow, and I had to um, cheat some people out of some things, and... And after all, I'm not cheating. it's just sharp business practice, big business practice. And so on, like the world says, then I'd be doing something that's unbecoming to Christ. See the difference. Everybody wants to be accepted and and taken in. Well, the scripture says that, woe on us if if all men speak well of us. Most of us are Christians, don't have a problem. Some people speak speak, uh, not well of us because we're Christians. You say, well, what do I do about separation? Some people get all upset. And they say, well, the Bible says I've got to live a separated life, and that means I've got to give up my friends and whatnot. You just follow what Christ says a step at a time. Do those things pleasing to him, and all your friends will take care of that. You won't have to worry about going away from them. They will help you to be separated. they become irritated with those things. All right, then I want to say to you that once you and I are saved, we have the desire to, as the Scripture says, Walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live, that it may be well with you, as Deuteronomy 5.33 says. You have that desire. Okay, let's see how we do that. Now, what it means to walk with God or to follow Christ briefly is that it is both physical and spiritual. Some people today say, well, the walk with God is purely spiritual. It's all of the mind. It's all of contemplation. And what I do out in the flesh through the week and other things doesn't make a difference. Other people reverse that and they say, well, it makes all the difference. I have to do certain works and I have to dress a certain way and talk a certain way and be a certain way and it uh, doesn't make too much difference otherwise. Both of those alone, It's a balance. Christianity is always a balance. It's not too far one way or the other. God, as he reveals himself to us, is not too far one way or the other. Otherwise, if you look at his attributes and you could say, well, here, God is is holiness, and he is wrath and anger, but he's also mercy and love, so that cancels these out. No, 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 he's a balanced being. Not one of his attributes cancels the other, and they all work together, and that's a balance. And so it is with the Christian life. What do we mean? We mean part of it is spiritual, and part of it is physical. So we want to point out those two things as we begin before we look at these five areas. The one precedes, and produces the other. The duty and responsibility answering to the, the moving of God's spirit within us. That's the one who leads us in the Christian life. We gain our power from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the New Testament is full of all kinds of assurances that the implanted, and imparted, if you will, energy from God to us through the spirit sufficient for a proper walk and conduct in this life. It is God which worketh, Philippians 2.13 says. It is God which worketh, and that word has the idea with it of energizing. So it's God which worketh or energizes us in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What do you suppose would happen if that were not true? You'd say, well, I don't feel like preaching. you have got to take a month or two off. I don't feel like preaching one time this week. I'm not going two or three times. I don't feel like doing this. God's will in us, he energizes us to do, to perform that which he would have us to do. So I have a desire and a hunger for that. I never went out and spoke to the lost. I never visited. I never preached and all these things. That's what would take place. But the impetuous, the initiative, the power comes from God. So he works in us or energizes in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. What's the definition then for walking with God? Well, Living according to all the plan and purpose the scripture gives us. You won't do that perfectly. You won't even know what all of that is over a short period of time. But we'll do that as laid down by God in his word and particularly expounded in the New Testament. We'll live a life that's pleasing, acceptable to him with whom we have to do. We'll live in close proximity to the guide and the director of our steps. In short, living a consistently balanced Christian life. I want to say this before we look at these five and run out of time. The Christian life and following Christ, walking with God, if you want to call it that, it has a two-fold uh, manifestation. That's what I want to say. It is both Godward and it's manward. That's two phases. So when we live the Christian life, we're going to, it's going to be with two emphases. It's going to be toward God that I live the Christian life and toward you all, or those with whom I have to do, those I meet in the world. How do I know that? Well, back in Joshua 22 and verse 5 in the Old Testament, we're told this, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart, and with all your soul. That's God's word. And so I say, Lord, I'm doing that because you called me to do that. I'm doing that because I love you. That's why I'm following you. And then man would, well, back in First Peter is a good spot. In First Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you. The Spirit of God says to, you, Paul, to Peter, I'm sorry. he says, dearly beloved, I beseech you. I beg you. I want you to pay attention. As strangers and pilgrims, do what? Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Now, is that only sex we're talking about? No, no, no. It's a lot of things. The love of money is the root of all evil. Those who would be rich do err, not understanding what's taking place. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a lot. It doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have a home. I might give you to homes. I don't know. He doesn't want you not to have a new automobile. He doesn't want you to take good care of your family. God sometimes... Blesses people with an abundance of the physical things. I'm not saying that. But abstain from fleshly lust, The covetousness that goes with that. I want that and I'm going to get it no matter how I do it. And so on. Which war against the soul. Having your conversation. There's that word again. Conduct. It means having your conduct honest among the Gentiles. And that's used as heathens here. That's what the Jews would understand. So he says Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers. They may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation when that time comes. What do people see? I hope they see us doing the things that we should. That doesn't mean you have to be a, some people say, oh, you've got to be so good and, and so perfect, and everything always has to be fine, and, and you just have to be smiling, and everything is always great, and you just want to promote that image of the saint, and want to see a halo like the picture show. None of us. God can do us and he raises up people and sometimes he leads them in a life that's more holy than some of his (coughs) other children for whatever reason it might be depending on what he's doing with them where they're going how he wants to use them but the thing is that you and I are people and God changes our hearts and consequently our ways was Moses you think when we meet Moses and Abraham and those other people People say, oh my goodness, look at Abraham, there he is. He was such an outstanding, yes, he was outstanding because God made him so, but he was a person just like him. Scripture says they were all people like under rocks. They were ordinary people that God used in the way that he was fit. Now, before we run out of time, let's look at these five areas that I want to point out to you. Five ways which our walk or our following Christ will be expressed in this life. We'll find them all in Ephesians, beginning at the fourth chapter. I will let you read the scriptures for yourself, but in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, the first thing we would say to you is that we must follow Christ or walk in balance and unity. The Christian walk is certainly be a balance. It always has the two aspects, as I told you, God words and man would. And he tells us there how we are to walk worthy of the vocation in verse 1 wherewith you're called. In other words, we're to behave ourselves or follow Christ in the way that's becoming to the one and to all that goes with his calling us to be Christians. If you became an auto mechanic or a farmer or a baker or a chef or whatever the case might be, you would walk and act like that. If they taught you how to run a screw machine, I used to be a screw machine operator in of if they taught you how to do that, then I would be doing that and I would be walking worthy of the location that I was called to. I'd be learning that every day. I wouldn't say, well, I think today I walk over there and run these uh, punch presses. I think I'll go up in the line and mess around there a while. It wouldn't work to you, I would. It? I was trained to do a particular job. So I do that. And I do that worthy of the vocation I'm supposed to. If the boss came by, I wouldn't be standing there just uh, lazing around or off talking to somebody. I'd be doing the job that I'm supposed to do, rotting up the machines and checking the parts and <laughs> setting them up and all that kind of thing that goes with it. It may not be the best example, but that's the one that comes to my mind. And God says the same thing here as far as the Christian life is concerned. Walk worthy, he says, of the vocation wherewith you have been called. Well, how exactly do we do that? We watch our conduct in a manner that reflects the Gospel in he who called us. Axios is the Greek word that's used there and it means equal weight. In other words, our calling and conduct ought to be in balance. We have fellowship. We've been called to the fellowship of his son. And now we walk that way, however it is that he would have us, wherever he would have us and how he would have us to walk. So we walk with His vocation. In other words, you won't find me this afternoon. Uh, If we go over in Delaware, I won't be sitting in one of those bars down on Main Street and and, uh, uh, talking and telling dirty jokes and that kind of thing. And because that's not walking worthy of the vocation, God has called me. Besides that, what would happen? Oh, they'd say, did you see that priest? You know, that's not a good example. That might not happen. Because today, the way some preachers are, they might not think anything about it at all. They might want to come down and have a beer with you or whatever. I guess maybe that's not a good example to use in that case but it is as far as the scripture is concerned. We've got to behave ourselves in that way. You wouldn't find me cheating someone. Say, you know that preacher that was over there on on uh, Washington Street? Sold me a car for $5,000. Same car could have been bought for, for uh, two down at the lot, but he told me that it was exceptionally good. He said, it's worn out. He turned the spit out on the back, and he did all this and that. Preachers never do that, do they? Well, I'm not going to give any names of people in Columbus that run car lots and things, but... I'm saying to you that we need to walk worthy of the location to which we've been called. That doesn't mean that we always walk around like this. It means simply that we don't do certain things. We behave ourselves in a certain way, that which is becoming to God. The second thing is this. He says, walk in holiness, there in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. There's a word that people are afraid of. Walking in holiness. It says, ye he henceforth walk not as other Gentiles or Heathens is what they're speaking about, but walk in the vanity of your mind. No, no, don't do that. Having understanding darkened, that shouldn't be the way we are. We're to walk in holiness. Now, people today when they think of holiness, they think of the groups of people who say that they are holy because of the way they behave themselves and the way they dress and so on. It has nothing to do with it. When you walk in a holy way, we're not to act like the lost and exhibit the aspects of, of our former conduct. We no longer do those things that we once did. We ought to stray from them. We need to be tempted with them. We need to leave them alone. We need to live a different kind of life. Holiness is a word we need to consider a great deal more than what we do because it pertains to our God and it's outworking in our lives. So we're to practice purity. Young believers are old. There in verse 19, is talking about lasciviousness. That's wantonness, shameful conduct. And that's the standard today. People call evil good, good evil. And that kind of conduct is not looked on as bad. Today, it's just something that people do. Well, that is what Scripture says. We're to speak truth and not lie. We're not to steal. We're not to speak evil communication from our mouth. All are these things with the law of God? God has always given us down through the centuries since the beginning of his dealings with men. Thirdly, it says walk in love in Ephesians 5, 1 through 4. Although all five of these aspects are based on love, Paul now tells us to walk in love. We're to reflect that love as we go along. Well, how do we do that? We reflect the love that God has put within us, remembering to love him because he first loved us. Isn't that what Scripture says? Yes. You love him because he first loved us. I don't have that love within me. If God doesn't put it in there, There's some people I can't love. I makes me mean, mad. I get irritated with them. I'm sure they get irritated with me. And were it not for God... Putting that love, the agapeo, there are several different kinds of love in the scripture. Phileo, the phileo is the love of, like, friendship. and Eros is the exotic, erotic, physical love. And this particular love that God's talking about is the agape. kind of love that gives doesn't expect any in return. If God didn't put that way, I me, mean, I couldn't love people. I couldn't do the things I'm supposed to do. Because some people are hard to love. God says walk in love. And he puts that ability in you. And our love, as do the other aspects of walking with God, has two directions. What is it? It's Godward and manward. Godward, I shalt love the Lord thy God with all my heart and so on. What about men? What about people around us? This is my commandment, Jesus says in John 15:12, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that doesn't mean saying, you know, I really love you. <sighs> I get fear I can't stand that place. It doesn't work well. I'll grant you that there are people, because of personality conflicts and troubles and difficult to love, but God puts a love within you that will enable you to do that. To wish them no harm or ill. Some people we avoid more than others, I guess, as we go along, but God puts that love within us and enables us to do that. We love him, and we love those. We call, that's one of the tests over in 1 John, if we love the brethren. And I do, and I hope that you do, and I pray for you continually, and it's not just the fellowship we have. I love sitting on a screen porch and all that kind of stuff, but it's more than that. It's because we like to be together because we love each other, and we want to help each other, and we're concerned about each other. That's the way it should be. And then fourthly, he says, walk in light, there in Ephesians 5, 7-11. We're changed persons. We're not to be partners, if you will, for those who are objects of God's wrath. So we're to walk in light. And as God teaches us things, you know, I've had some people say, well, I don't like to study that section because it, it shows me things that I don't like in my life. <laughs> That's the idea. It's a mirror. If you read that, God speaks to you about it, it will enable you to change it and to walk in light. We're not to be involved with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. We're not in darkness as others are. You know, we can take a group of Christians and other people that we like in the world, friends of ours, and so on, we're going down the road. Should the Lord come, Christians are going to go. The others aren't. Should those two people who really like each other, one's a Christian, one's not, and that automobile crash may take both of their lives, one's going to be the Lord and the other is not. Association won't do it. You and I are to walk in light. People say, well... You know, I, I really like you and, and I respect your beliefs things and things and, and I want you to do some things for me. What's that? I want you to come to the fortune teller next week and have a fortune teller tell us our fortune. Dangerous thing. Most of the time it's all works, but it can be a dangerous thing. That's a work of darkness. So you and I walk in the light. So there are things that we cannot do because it's light and we know that it's darkness. Today, probably sexual sin is the strongest And most powerful tool that Satan has, it has been it many times, but today, perhaps more so because it's not recognized as sin most of the time. It's just, that's the way it is. That's the way people are. But you know, when you go back this morning and read the scripture says that a poor or a, a woman, a strange woman who takes in a man to commit adultery and so on, that her mouth is an open sepulcher. That she'll not only cause harm, but she can cause death and hell and destruction. Um... If people do this, that, or the other thing, God says it'll cause this or that problem to you. See, God, when he gives us this scripture, he doesn't say, now here's the book of rules, and you've got to do all these things, even if you don't like it. He doesn't give us those things so that we'll suffer. He gives us those things so that we'll have an abundance of life, and he knows what's coming. He says if we do thus and so or get involved in this relationship, or we do that, or whatever it is, it'll create this, and he's telling us that so we can avoid that. Do we do that? Does the preacher do that? Sometimes not. I get into situations sometimes that I know when I'm helping someone or doing something, I shouldn't do it. And it causes problems. I'm not talking about sexual sins. But you should connect those two together. So we walk in the light. Fifthly and lastly, we're to walk in wisdom. And Ephesians 5, 15-21 tells us that. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Well, what circumspectly? Well, that's talking about wisely. That's talking about carefully and accurately, circumspectly, being as careful and accurate as you can. And so, in other words, we're to walk in wisdom. We're to be wise and skillful in making the right use of the opportunities in these evil days that God gives us. Would it please the Lord? Would it walk carefully and accurately and exactly? Not giving occasion for others to stumble? Not causing problems in other people's lives who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ or who are weak in the faith? So when we walk in wisdom, the Bible says it would be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. And so if we know the Scripture, if we are doing the other things that we're supposed to do, if we're learning of him, learn what the Scripture says, then we know, we begin to gain wisdom and knowledge, and we know a situation comes along, and if we follow that or become involved in that or do whatever it is, God says, this is what will happen. So don't push your, put your trust in the unsafe. He says, don't do various things or this will happen. And so we have wisdom and then we won't do that. But we do do that sometimes. Because we're tempted or we forget. A human emotion overtakes us. A compassion for someone or whatever the case might be. So there are the five things that we need to do. And walking in wisdom is one that indeed is very important. If we do those things, it's going to help us in this prayer life. Because if we walk in this way, we'll be in an attitude. Scripture says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you kneel down someplace and you stay there day and night like some of those in the monasteries and so on do. Not so. It means to always be in that attitude of prayer. You can be driving along. There's things that will come up, and, and I'll simply pray to the Lord right then and there, silently, sometimes verbally, depending on the situation and what's happening. So all of those aspects of walking with God are not for the purpose of of being someone who's spectacular, but it's for all of us. They're not options that the believer might want to uh, consider. We need to be consistent day in, day out. We need to walk with the Lord, following Christ in that way. When we do it perfectly, no. Some of us do it better than others. Some of us gain more spiritually than others. That doesn't mean that you're less than someone else. It simply means that God is doing for you whatever is tailored to you. He's teaching you, as long as you're teachable, as long as you say, Lord, I just don't have time for that. I don't want to read scripture. I don't want to mess with it all. I just want to do this or that. Then you have some problems. But if you're teachable and you're open to that, God will move you along at his weight or his pace. So apart from pleasing the Lord and having communion with him, there are two benefits that I want to mention as we close from following Christ and walking in that way. I walk will be used to God to greatly influence the law. You'd be surprised. Someone at the last Bible conference or someplace, an old preacher told a young one, he said now he worked and had a secular job, he said, don't tell people that you're a preacher. But he said, don't let them be surprised when they find out. It's good advice. There are a lot of people who are around you are watching you, how you behave, what you do, how you do business, and so on. That makes an impression on that. And secondly, if you're walking in these aspects of following Christ, then that closer walk with the Father will give us a fellowship and a nearness that will cause the things of this world to go strangely again. And we'll have joy in his presence, and this world will never know those things. You see, if we tell someone that now, and they're a babe in Christ, they haven't grown very far, they haven't experienced some of these things, that day will come when you're waiting do the world. Oh, a lot of people say, oh, I can't do be it because I love those things. But as you walk with the Lord, as you draw closer to things of the world, like the song says, will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And they're needful. We need to have those things. We need to take care of our families, But they won't be as important and as covetous as they once were in people's lives. The important things begin to shine through. We begin to take those things that give us peace and contentment and satisfaction. And believe me, if we go through this, and I'm telling you this is from experience, You'll love your wife better, your wife will love you better, you'll love your children, you'll get along better as far as the things of God are concerned. Now, I would not be telling you the truth if I said, well, as far as the things of the world are concerned, nobody will give any problems and we'll along long good. No. They need those things in our life. We'll have the assurance that God is for us, who can be against us? If he's not going to let anything come in and harm us except those things that he wants to shape and mold us. What more could you ask? Nobody could take that good of care of a person, could they? So let me say this as we close. I think it's Revelation 14, 13 says that our works do follow us. So we leave this life, we will leave just as we came in. When my mother had me with a great deal of difficulty back in those days, when she finally had me, I didn't come dressed and new see the clothes. I said, boy, look at this you know, thing. Look at that little seat. Got money in his pocket and didn't come in that way. Came in naked like everybody else. The doctor had to pat me on the butt like everybody else to get me to breathe. When I go out, yeah, they might dress me up in a new suit or something that looks good and get the funeral fill that looks good, but I'm not there, I'm gone. I went out the same way I came in. Nothing. Except my works. It says, Blessed are those henceforth that die in the Lord. Why? Because their works Follow them. And on that day of judgment, with the wicked, God will have the books open, they will do their works to testify according to their judgment. At the judgment seat of Christ, when you and I, the Christians, appear, what's there? Loss of reward or gain of reward? God has recorded. You know. How can he do that? Because he's God. So I would say that to you. Remember that our works indeed do follow us. So I say to you as we close, there's the third thing the third aspect that needs to be true in our life. Jesus says, come unto me, so we need salvation. He says, learn of me. We do that through the scriptures, through communing with him, through experience one with another. Then he says, follow me. How do we do that? One step at a time. We receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And we begin the Christian walk. We don't have to assume everything all at once. We simply go along. We don't make mistakes. Sure, but we follow him one step at a time. And as we look back, we come a lot of steps. And just as that little boy follows his father's footsteps up the mountain before he knew that he was there, so you and I need to follow the footsteps of the father in the footsteps. And you'll have those things that we have need of, things more than what we have a realization of now. Father, we commit these thoughts into your hands. Lord, we want to know how to pray better and be more effectual. We know that these things need to be true in our lives. We pray that you would apply the scripture to the Holy Spirit of God. Enable us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ one step at a time. If there be one without the Lord Jesus this morning, you would speak to their heart and open their heart and mind, enable them to see the Lord Jesus Christ, to realize that there is no life apart from this. The Lord Jesus said that he would come, that we might have life or have it abundantly, Now, and in that which is to come, your will be done following your word. We you will not return into your void. Accomplish what you would do, it. we ask.